an interesting song, right? Soldiers of Christ Arise. And as we begin this Sunday, we want to recognize this has been a really pretty exciting time to be at Valley Baptist Church lately. I don't know if you've been having some fun. We've had some good Sundays of fellowship, learning about missions and how the cause of Christ is going around the world. This Sunday, we actually are beginning a new series. It's a series on the book of Joshua. Whenever we go to the Old Testament, we begin to see stories and things that sometimes can be a little bit confusing. So today we want to make sure we have some background today to understand what's going on in God's Word. But the story of Joshua is a story of the people of God uh, going into this land of promise, going into a place where uh, they are fulfilling in part what God had intended to them, bringing them to a new place. But that meant driving out some other peoples. This can be confusing to us, right? This can offend our modern sensibilities. And in Deuteronomy 9, God makes very, very clear through the prophet, of Mo prophet Moses that, hey, it's not because you are righteous that this is happening, but it was the wickedness of the people. God in his sovereignty, God in his wisdom, uh, used one fulfillment of a promise to bring the people to a promised land as also a demonstration of justice against the, some of the wickedness of what was going on amongst the Canaanites. That's part of the, the background. And the reason I want to start off with that this morning is as we sing a song like Soldiers of Christ Arise, we have to in our hearts realize that those metaphors are throughout the New Testament about putting on the full army of God, about in His power taking your stand, about becoming more than conquerors. But as the Apostle Paul makes clear, our battle is never against flesh and blood. We're against the powers and principalities, uh, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We take a stand against spiritual forces of evil that, that wage war against us. We even take a stand against our own selves as Peter, the Apostle, reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we as believers must stand guard against the evil desires which make war against our souls. As Christians, we're never fighting against other people. We're not engaged in some kind of a culture war. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, are engaged in a battle of transformation. That our lives are being transformed to this image of Christ, becoming more loving, becoming more kind. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, are actually on a mission. A mission to make this message of love and redemption and truth known to the world. We have a high calling. We need to be people, as the Apostle Paul says, athletes competing to win the race, but also soldiers looking to win the approval of their commanding officer. We need to be those who are committed to Christ. Not against people, but always for the glory of God, showing the love of Jesus. So today, let's look at the book of Joshua. But as we go, let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would make yourself known today. That you would guide us into this new hope and into the promises that you are calling this congregation to and the calling that you have for us in our individual lives. Lord, speak through your word today to your people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Joshua chapter 1. The words will also be uh, on the screen for us today. We're talking today about courage and consecration. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the people of God preparing to go to a new place. Any of you all feel like sometimes you get a little lost? 
I went to Virginia this week, and my uncle, he's significantly older than me, he's uh, retired now, and my uncle was saying, okay, write these directions down. And I thought, write directions down? It's been a long time since I've written directions down. Uh, it's been a long time since I've done that. You know, now I just plug the thing in the GPS and it's going to find the way, right? We, we, we kind of go that way. But he wanted me to write this direction down. And I, you know, I tried to be this dutiful nephew and I got out a pen and paper. He's like, I didn't want to lie. I was just going to plug in my GPS, but I didn't want to lie. So I got out the pen and paper and he told me, you know, go on this road, go down to this road. And oh, then you're going to go up a hill. Now there's a big tree and you'll see some dogs. And I thought, Okay, I'm giving up. <laughs> I mean, big tree, dogs. I mean, I, I'm giving up on that already, right? Okay, sometimes we get lost, we get confused. I remember the story, uh, actually, uh, of a friend of mine in New York City, um, and they were trying to get somewhere, and they were confused, and they had maps out. This was years ago. And a person, they were stuck in traffic. It's New York City. They were stuck in traffic, and the person beside them said, hey, out the window, it looks like you're lost. Where are you trying to go? And they said, we're trying to get, and I forget where they said, Flushing or somewhere. Um, and uh, the person said, oh, you can't get there from here. <laughs> you can't get there from here. He said, you follow me. And he actually drove them to get to the right uh, road, the right interstate so that he get pretty kind, generous New York City. I love New York. Um, kind, generous New York City. Brothers and sisters, a year ago, we as a congregation under the leadership of what we believe is where God was leading, the Holy Spirit, voted to say we're supposed to be a church. In this place, being God's people. Anybody remember last August? It's been a year. Half a year we spent trying to figure out what and how and what process. But months ago we said, okay, let's get started. Sometimes it feels like getting started, we're a little stuck. And, and, and we're thinking, okay, how do we become a thriving congregation? How do we become the light of the gospel in this neighborhood? How do we become a place that God is using in the world? We've heard about some things. We've celebrated some things the last several weeks with our missionaries. But God, are you doing that work here? What are you supposed to do? And sometimes we might be a little bit afraid, thinking, how do we get there from here? I got, we, we know where we want to be. We know where we want, what we want to see God doing, but how do we get there from here? I believe that the book of Joshua, that we're going to study over the next uh, eight Sundays, seven more Sundays after this one, that uh, in the book of Joshua, we see some clues about getting into that promised land. We see some principles about how we need to be God's people in this place. So let's read this chapter, or at least the first part of this chapter, together. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people, in verse 2, all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of, to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous. 
because you, Joshua, will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancient or to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8. And keep this law always on your lips. Meditate on, on it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua the officers of the people, he ordered them, go throughout the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. May God bless the hearing of his word. I hope that some part of that stood out to you. Maybe it was don't be discouraged. Maybe it was be strong and courageous. Maybe it was meditate on God's Word. I hope the Lord spoke to you. There are three things that really stood out to me in this passage. Number one, that in this idea of where are we going to go, how do we get to this place that God has called us to, that God has promised this fruitful Christian life for us as believers, that we cannot get there without being courageous, without courage. You can't get there without having some of that Mm, strength internally that God gives, we can't get there without courage. That's point one. That's this first slide. You can't get there without courage. Now, some of you, um, you might see a rope bridge like this or a, a, a type of thing, and you're thinking, um, <clears throat> no, thank you. Nope, that's not for me. Um, I will stay right over here and take pictures of the rest of you. Um, have you ever done one of these things, these little rope bridge kind of things, and gone across the gorges, maybe a, at a camp or on a hike or something? Um, have you? Yeah. There are some times that I have done things like this, either the rope bridge or I remember one time in Colorado, my friend and I were going hiking up in the mountains and boy, we took our gear and we weren't really prepared. We had our stuff, but we didn't have the right kind of backpacks and we're carrying some bags and stuff and we got along a pretty narrow sort of rock face and it was pretty edgy and you're sort of holding the bag with one hand and hoping to find a handhold with the other as you move around and I thought, high school. At least I finished high school. I'm glad I finished high school. We were pretty young. It was pretty nerve-wracking. The Lord got us through. Well, sometimes we have to step out on some places that might seem a little uncertain to us. Maybe feel pretty, um, <clears throat> like, uh, I don't know how we're going to make it. We've got to be courageous. Did you notice that three times in the scripture God spoke to Joshua? In verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And in verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This wasn't the first time Joshua heard this. Back in Deuteronomy 31, Moses, when he was still alive, spoke to Joshua, who was his aide at the time, and Moses said, he summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, so everybody else could hear it too, hey Joshua, there's going to be a day you're going to be in charge. There's going to be a day I'm not running the show. There's going to be a day when you're going to lead the people. Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you must go with the people into the land the Lord has sworn to their ancestors to give them. 
Later in the same chapter, the Lord shows up and appears to Joshua. Not Moses, but Joshua. And the Lord gives him this command. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land that I promised you on oath. I myself will be with you. Why did Joshua need to hear this word, be strong and courageous, so many times? Why did Moses have to say it? Why did God have to say it? Why did the Lord have to say it three more times to Joshua? And if you read all the way to the end of the chapter in Joshua chapter 1, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, some of the people of God came to Joshua and said, Hey, buddy, just want to make sure you know what something. Be strong and courageous. Why did Joshua need to hear that again and again and again and again? Well, just like us, I think there were things that were discouraging. There were things that were things that would be like, oh my goodness, this is too scary, this is too difficult. They had to immediately cross the Jordan River. They had to move from a place that was comfortable, a place that they had already won the battles, places that things had already been victorious, they had to cross the river. Now, we don't realize this, but the topography is actually uh, pretty significant here. The Jordan Rift Valley was actually a barrier a true barrier. Now you could traverse it. There were paths, there were roads, there were ways to get there. But when you're trying to move a million people or more down into a valley that is steep and difficult, it is already hard. We're going to find out later that the river was at flood, st flood stage. This was not the time to cross the river, not with your supplies, not with your children, not with your cattle or sheep or whatever you were traveling with. This was a difficult time and a difficult journey, and they had a difficult path to go. It was not going to be easy. Hey, Joshua, time to go. Be strong and courageous. Other reasons. Well, um... <clears throat> You're going to conquer some land that people are living in. There are people already there. They have fortified cities. They have significant defenses. They have heard that you are coming. They have heard of your victories. They are prepared. They are ready for you. They are um, ready to, to endure that intense onslaught. And did you hear who was mentioned? I have a little map up there of the Hittites. The Hittites were a major world power of the day. The Hittites were significant militarily. The Hittites were powerful. Listen to what God says in verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite territory, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God was... Uh oh Sorry. I... Oh. Okay, I'm back. I accidentally I, I touched the little thing on the back and it fell over, um, fell off. Um, the, <clears throat> where was I? Hittites. God wanted them to know, look, Joshua, I am not unaware of the military significance and power of the people you are facing. It's not a big deal to me, but I know it's a big deal to you. They're not powerful in my eyes. They're powerful in their eyes. They're powerful in your eyes. I got this covered. I know what you're going to be facing. Is that encouraging to you? That as a congregation, the Lord knows what's ahead. That the Lord knows the direction He is calling us to. That the Lord isn't saying, oh, you can't get there from here. Because the Lord knows exactly the path that we have to take. So be strong and courageous. That's what God said through Moses and God said to Joshua every time. 
I will be with you. Back in Deuteronomy, he said it, verse 28 or 23. The Lord gave this command, be strong and courageous, and I myself will be with you. Our courage does not come from ourselves. Our courage does not come from, from anything within us, our wisdom, our abilities. Our, no, it's that the Lord is with us. Verse 5 in, cha in Joshua chapter 1. No one's going to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. This promise comes to us as the people of God. Jesus himself said to his disciples, right? All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's what he says in Matthew 28. Go make disciples. We're going to be a disciple-making church. Go do what I said. Go make disciples of all nations. How do you do that? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what does he say? And surely I am with you always. You're a handful of people. A hundred people at best. There's a Roman Empire. There's all of India and China and people living in the Americas. There's a world to, to, that needs to know about me, the Messiah Jesus is claiming. Jesus is saying, go make disciples. Go transform the world. Go and bring the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus, could you loan us some angels or something? We could use, uh, you got any, how are we supposed to get this done? I will be with you, Jesus says. I will be with you. Brothers and sisters, we have everything we need. Right? And the New Testament tells us that God has given us everything we need for godliness, for life. Because he's given us Jesus. His presence is all that we need. Brothers and sisters, I'll confess. When I think of the church we are supposed to be, when I, when I dream of what Valley Baptist Church could be and what God could do in us, there are days that I think we can't get there from here. Well, the truth is, we definitely can't get there if we're afraid. We can't get there without courage. On this next slide, it says this. We can't get there without courage because we've got to try some new things. You know the seven last words of any church, right? We never did that before. We never did... Well, that's not seven words. We never did it that way before. Okay, I think I said seven. Okay, um, quick, quick, mental math. All right, we... If we decide we're not going to try new things, we're not going to branch out in new ways, we're not going to take some of our finances and invest them in new opportunities, if we, if we just say, well, we can't do it, we'll never get there. We've got to take on different responsibilities in the church. Some of you, maybe there's a task that God has called you to, something that maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't know if that's me, I don't know if I can do that. But you can try. You can work along somebody else. You can learn. Today, we've got to be God's people that are willing to take on new responsibilities or different ones and pass off the old ones to people that need to learn from you. That's called being a disciple-making church. We need to invite some people. Pastor Mike, I, I, I hear you always talk about inviting people to church, but here's the deal. I invited them, and they said no. They said no last time. Be courageous. Be strong. Maybe this time is the time that that neighbor would say yes. Maybe this time is the time that in their heart and in their life, uh, the, the, the things are just right, that they're accepting that invitation to come and join you for worship. Maybe this time God is at work and opening that door. Maybe it's this time that they would choose to follow Jesus. Let's not say no for others. And finally, we've got to embrace new people. Now, <clears throat> there's some of you are new. This goes to you too. 
Embrace new people. They're new to you. So, um, and people who have been here a while, embrace new people. We've got to become friends and befriend those who are not here yet. To be the church that's not here yet but will be, we've got to accept and love and, and invite people into um, ministry and service and accountability and love and just life together. We can't get there unless we're courageous. But I'm an introvert. It's fine. It's fine. I remember in college ministry, uh, when my first uh, student, I had only one at Syracuse University when we got started, she said, oh, oh, my name's Elena. Um, I'm the Baptist campus ministry here. But don't worry, there's two other students in the group. They're studying abroad this fall, but they'll be back in the spring. You can do the math, right? There's three, but only one of them's going to be there for the whole semester. We started a Bible study. It began to grow. Elena was so sweet, so kind, and the quietest. She was so shy. And she said, I can't talk to the new people. I can't. I just can't. I said, Elena, just find one other shy person. <laughs> just find one other person that's standing there kind of in the corner and talk to them. And she reached out, and she did. I mean, she would always find one person who came to us, and she would just start a conversation. She was one of our most effective people at reaching out. We can all have a part in this journey together as this church grows. But we've got to be courageous. Number two, we might think, hey, we can't get there from here. We can't get there from here. Definitely without consecration. We can't get there without consecration. Now, I threw a bunch of, uh, of uh, <coughs> backpack full of camping gear on there, and I think it relates to the story. Look what it says in verse 10. So it, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Get your provisions ready, because three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan, and you're going to take possession of the, Lord, the land the Lord your God has given you. They had to get their stuff together. They had to pack up. They had to make sure they had what they needed for the journey. Brothers and sisters, we have to also be ready. We have to be prepared. You don't want to go on a journey without the right stuff. I was reading about hikers um, who um, <clears throat> have been unprepared. They head up in the Adirondacks, you know, that's upstate New York and beautiful mountains if you've never seen it. And they've done a lot of publicity over the last several years getting people to go. And with COVID, people are doing more outdoor activities, social distancing, those kind of things. And the amount of time people have needed to be rescued in the Adirondacks has skyrocketed. People that go out there with, you know, flip-flops or their tennis shoes, people that didn't bring any water, they're wearing cotton everything, and they get up to a much higher elevation, they get caught in a rainstorm, all of a sudden they get a little bit sidetracked off the trail, they're wet, they have no food and water, and they're spending the night in some pretty cold temperatures. Back in a couple years ago, there was a, a man, he's 28 years old, he's a young guy, he's healthy, from New Jersey, died. Died. He wasn't prepared. They say if you're ever going to go on a hike, a significant hike in the Adirondacks, you need to be prepared to spend the night even if you're planning on just a day hike. You better have something, if you're wearing cotton especially, you better have something that can, an outer shell, some kind of a windbreaker, something to, to get, you better have something to start a fire. You better have, bring some food. You better bring enough water and have the right foot gear. But you need to have the right supplies. Now the people of God, think about this. The people of God had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were good at wandering 
wandering in the wilderness. They were good at camping out. They were good at camp collecting manna. But now they had to go into a land where they need to harvest the food from the land. Now they've got to go into a situation where they're going to face more battles. Now they're going to have to f go into a situation where they're going to have to do military campaigns. Now they're going to have to get into a situation where they're maybe not camping out in the same way or living sort of that nomadic lifestyle in quite the same way. They're going to start to settle villages, prepare homes and fields and crops. And it's a new lifestyle. They needed to get prepared. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Be strong and very careful, or very courageous, and be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. What am I saying? Our first preparation is a spiritual preparation. Our first preparation, our most important preparation, everything we need to do is a spiritual preparation, my friends. We have got to go together in the power of the Holy Spirit according to God's Word. I'm gonna, I had a conversation with my dad yesterday. Some of you know that I took a little class with him over this last semester on church revitalization. Read a bunch of books, went to a bunch of classes, heard all the experts, tell all the stories, heard all the... Th I, I'm, getting, I'm writing my final paper. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be certified. Then we'll really see things happen, right? They have a new director of the program. He's an old friend of my dad, and they had lunch last week. And this gentleman, he's, he's retired. He said to my dad, he said, I, I know all the stuff the books are saying. There's a lot of good things in there. He said, but you know what? The real issue is, are they back to God's word? Are they dependent on his spirit? Are they going to him in prayer? Brothers and sisters, those of us who have been believers a while, we, we should know God's Word. We've got to let it saturate our souls. We've got to have it coming out of us so that in every conversation, in every interaction, God's Word is being what God, is God is using in, through our lives to make disciples of others. We've got to allow God's Word to be our guide. God says, hey, Joshua, here's what you need to know to plant crops. No. Here's what you need to know to fight a battle. No. He says, make sure you're obedient. Make sure you're following my word. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. I, then you will be successful in, which, in where you go. Brothers and sisters, we've got to know God's word, live God's word, believe God's word, and walk in the power that God gives through his word. Verse 8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is our consecration. Lord, have your way in me. Father, show me through your word where I'm not living according to your plan, where I'm not acting like Jesus. God, give me faith through the stories that you share about your provision, about your power, about your presence. Lord, I need to see that. I need to hear it. I need to walk according to your word. I need to meditate on it day and night. Confessionally, we could probably all say there are times when God's Word has just been, I mean, so alive. And then there's times in our lives that it's kind of, you know, taking that back burner spot. You know, you had the verse of the day app. Anybody like that one? Brothers, we need more than that. We just need more than that. 
We need God to frame our thinking. We need Him to transform our understandings. We need His Word to be able to speak to us about specific relationships, specific ways. God's Word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. He, he, it divides between the soul and the marrow. He's the one that shows us what is right and what is true in a world that is confusing, in a time that is difficult. God's Word is essential. Now you're thinking... It just feels like a giant law textbook. It just feels like a giant physics textbook. I have no way to access that. It's not true. Just start somewhere. Pick a psalm that speak to the heart. Pick the Gospels that tell us the story and the teachings of Jesus. Just ask, God, what does this tell me about you? What does this tell me about who I'm supposed to be? You don't have to spend hours each day reading. Start somewhere. If it's 10 minutes, if it's one chapter, it, but then let it grow. Let it grow. It's kind of like going to the gym. Ugh, did that five pound weight. Next month, I'm going to do two and a half pound weight. No, you've got to go three or four times a week. No, it's supposed to be increasing. Let your love for his word increase. Increase. And, God, and brothers and sisters, if we're not in places where we're not living to God, according to God's word, we've got to dedicate ourselves. In, first, uh, in Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter says this, Repent, therefore, and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped out and days of refreshing from the Lord may come. There's places we've got to turn away from. Consecrating ourselves to the Lord. Giving ourselves wholly over. As Paul says, living sacrifice is holy and acceptable to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. We dedicate ourselves to the Lord. And brothers and sisters, we've got to constantly be confessionally getting ourselves fully into His presence. Fully dedicated to Him. What place is God convicting you about? Is it from not taking real time in His Word? Or is it places where you already know you're not being obedient? We can't get there without consecration. I think of it this way. Courage, courage without consecration, that's just arrogant self-reliance. That's just, oh yeah, I can do it. Oh yeah, we can start a church. We can revitalize. Yeah, come on, follow me. Let's go. We can't get there from here. Courage without consecration, without living according to God's word, without being filled with the Spirit, that's just arrogance. That's just self-reliance. That, that's not going to get us anywhere. But the same thing is consecration. Like, oh yeah, I want to be wholly His. But we're not going to step out in faith. We're not going to try to do what God's called. Oh, it just seems too hard. Oh, it's not for me. I don't know. I can't. That, that, that's just faithless disobedience. Brothers and sisters, we can get there from here. But it's going to take courage. It's going to take consecration. And finally, it's going to take Christ. It's going to take Jesus, right? Jesus has set promise to be with us. It's going to take Christ to be with us. He is our third point. That we can't get there from here without Jesus leading the way into this promised land, into this fulfillment. We can't get there from here. Now, where do I see Jesus in this passage? Well, first of all, <laughs> he's everywhere. I mean, look at what Jesus says about the scriptures in John chapter 5. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in those scriptures you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that speak about me, Jesus says. They testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. The same author, John, this apostle of Jesus, says in reference to the time of Moses, he says, 
For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, there's a typology going on here. The people of God were brought out of slavery. They were shown God's word. They were shown God's law through the prophet Moses. But Moses did not get them to the promised land. It took the, the second person, Joshua. Now, in Hebrew, Yeshua. Joshua is also Yeshua, Jesus. Wait, what? Yeah, you can translate it either way. You can go Jesus or Joshua. Uh, and Jesus and Joshua is basically the same name here. He's a typology. He's a symbol of the things to come. That Joshua got the people into the promised land. You see, in the same way, Paul explains that the scriptures, in the book of Galatians, he tells us the scriptures, the, the, the God's laws are like a tutor that bring us to Christ. But you see, God's Messiah is the one. Jesus is the one who died for your sins. Jesus is the one who opened the gate into heaven. Jesus is the one who rose from the dead three days later, giving us now all access to eternal life, a relationship with the Father, and eternity forever. We can't get to heaven without Jesus. We can't get to eternal life without Jesus. Okay, listen to me very carefully. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, come and be my Savior, you're not His. You're not going to be with Him for eternity. And you don't have that relationship with God now. Because those God's Word can only get you so far. The Messiah had to come to get us into this promised land, to the life that now we have as God gives us His Holy Spirit. But it comes in response to your faith, to your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you put your faith in Jesus today? Have you said yes to him today? Hopefully all of you have. Hopefully you all have entered that promised new life and you have that expectation of the full promised land of eternity to come. But if there's someone here, either online or in room, who's not given their life to Jesus, you could do that right now. Like now. This moment, say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I want to be your father. If you've never done that, let today be your day. Just in the privacy of, of your own heart, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I want to experience what these believers are experiencing. I want to have what you've promised. So what is our challenge today? Our challenge, one, is to come to Jesus. But two, for those of us who are part of this congregation, will we follow with courage? Will we say yes to where, will we embrace new people? Will we try new things? Will we say yes to where God is leading? For us as believers, will we be consecrated to the Lord? Will we say, you, you know, sin is out. Jesus, you have your way in me. Will you live consecrated, following Jesus every day? Today we're going to have a time of invitation. It's a, it's a time of response. It's a time where you can say yes to Jesus for the very first time and say, actually, I, I made that decision. Today is my day. I, I, I want Jesus. You can come up here and uh, we, we rejoice with you and celebrate. I would love to tell you more. Today you might say, no, this is the church for us. I, I, I don't know. It's not got everything we want. It's not got everything I was hoping for. But God is on a move here. He's moving his people here and he's calling me to be a part of that. If you want to respond and, and, and be a part of this congregation, you can come and, and we, we, you can pray with me and we'll talk about it right here. Aaron and the music team are going to come and lead us um, as we sing. But if there's a decision you need to make, you come. The altar is open. If you just need to pray or pray with someone, I will be here. But you respond as God is calling.
you.